0: Hey everybody, I'm Christina Caramo, and welcome to It's Solid Food. So why does the world seem to hate Christianity so much? Especially in America, we're seeing that on the rise, it seems like the more we try to make the world like us, the worse it gets. What are Christians failing to understand? That's what we'll discuss. I'm Christina Caramo, and now it's time for some solid food. To it's Solid Food. I'm Christina Caramo, where we discuss all things in Christian apologetics, culture, and politics. So what's the deal? Why does the world seem to hate us so much? We just want to help everybody and be nice and bring you to God and help you understand the truth of the scripture, to preach the gospel to you so you won't burn in hell and suffer eternal conscious punishment, separated from God. Well, that isn't the way the world sees it. And with the decline of Christianity, it seems that things are getting a tad bit worse, shall we say. Currently in America, 65% of people identify as Christian. That's down significantly, and many people profess that America is a Christian nation. Most of the citizens profess to be Christians, but looking at things that doesn't seem to be the case. You know, it's funny. A lot of people profess to be Christians, but they aren't. They're Christian in title only. They have no interest in trying to do anything God wants them to do. In fact, many people who proclaim or claim, should I say, I don't want to say proclaim, who rather claim to be Christians often get very miffed at those of us who are actually trying to live a life honoring God. They get very frustrated. Now, I would argue some of that is because they feel convicted. I feel that the Holy Spirit is convicting them about their lives while they are professing the name of Jesus, and we make them feel uncomfortable. That's somewhat what I believe to be true. But again, I could be wrong. I don't know this for a fact. But what I do know is that It's not just the practice that people are angry at. They're angry at the adherence itself, themselves, us. And I feel like a lot of that has to do because the world feels we're in the way of quote-unquote progress. Now, progress is simply moving forward. Progress can be bad. I mean, cancer progresses. That's why many people die from it. So, (laughs) progression isn't a good thing in and of itself. It depends on what we're progressing towards or... From and much of america is tired of christian ethics because they feel that it's exclusive um it's not inclusive they feel that it gets in the way of human self-actualization um and that is what's really going on now a couple things that we need to remember You know, I was when I planned for this episode, I'm sitting there thinking, like, which way do I want to take it? Because there's like so many angles we could go with this. You know, I'm really, if you look at my logo, there's a bunny rabbit because I have a tendency to go down the rabbit hole. So I'm really trying to keep this in narrow focus because there's so much to say as to why the world hates Christians. And I would like for non-Christians to listen to this episode as well. And maybe this will give some reflection into why you find us so irritating. Well, one One thing we need to keep in mind, Jesus told us in John 15, 18, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. So Jesus is telling us like, listen, listen, the world's going to hate you. It hated me first because when Jesus came, what he was saying, he was calling out the Pharisees on their failure to be righteous. They were putting on a show of goodness, but they had cold hearts. OK, they were like dead men's bones, as scripture say. So the world isn't going to like us. And I think that's the first thing Christians need to understand. The world is not going to like us because the reason why the world isn't going to like us, because the first thing we need to remember is everything is inherently spiritual first before it's physical. And in our world, especially in the Western world, we have this very false view of the world where we see things from a materialistic lens. So what do I mean by that? When we hear materialistic, we think of people who just like on flashy clothes and nice things. And as I told you guys before, your girl does like nice things, <laughs> just saying. But it that can mean a couple of things. Typically when we use it, it's for the aforementioned thing I just talked about. But also materialism is also this worldview that everything is simply material. And that's all that really is. Really is, and it has no care or concern for the spiritual realities of the world. Now, just because many people hold a materialistic view, that doesn't mean it's true. I mean, I can believe that care bears are real. Oh, do you like care bears? They're so cute. But I can believe care bears are real. That doesn't make it so because I believe care bears are real. So just because many people possess a materialistic worldview, even many professing Christians, that doesn't make it so. Scripture tells us in Ephesians six ten through 12, Paul writes to the church in Ephesus, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand up against the wiles of the devil. So the fact that Paul is telling them to put on a full armor, you don't put on armor unless you're going to war. So Paul is clearly telling the church in Ephesus that you are going to war against Satan. So you need to put on the armor of God if you plan on doing battle. So that's the first thing Christians need to realize that we are doing battle against the devil. Because Paul says in 612, which is one of a very popular, or well-known passage in scripture, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. And you're like, Paul, well, who am I wrestling against? Not plants? Puppies? Like, what's going on? Paul continues to tell us that we are, but we're wrestling against principalities against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness and heavenly places. So it is very clear that we are wrestling against demonic strongholds. We are wrestling against like a principality. It's a ruler. So we're wrestling against demonic rulers and strongholds. So even when I have a negative interaction with the person, I'm not necessarily having just an interaction with that person. I'm also having an interaction with with whatever spirits that person is dealing with. So Paul is telling us, we're not dealing with people. We're dealing with demonic forces. And so even though our world sees things material first, that's not what we're actually dealing with. And what's so important is if you want a little bit of back, background, what the church in Ephesus was dealing with, that will help you bring some context. And it helps us in America so much. See, the thing about it is, is that for some reason, people act like, The things we're doing now are so revolutionary and it is so idiotic. Like humans have been doing the same things over and over again for thousands of years. Last episode, I talked about the video uh, WAP and the the vulgar vulgarity of entertainment. And people are like, well, they're just trying to clamp down on female sexuality. And this is so good and bold and blah, 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 blah. It's like people have been sluts forever. You know, the one of the funniest thing is like when you're a child and you hear about stories in history. You know, they always give you a real sanitized version of things. Like, oh my god, this person is so cool, and this is so cool, and then you become an adult later, like, whoa, that's wild. So, like, one of the stories that always fascinated me as a child was about the city of Pompeii. So, this um, uh, volcano called Vesuvius or something to that nature. So, this um, it was in the Mediterranean region, and this. A volcano just erupted and just killed everyone. It was just instantaneously. There was no uh, seismology going on back at that time, okay? When a volcano erupted or an earthquake or whatever, even now, there's little to no preparation time. They really didn't have any. So it just laid waste to the whole town. I mean, there were like basically people like frozen in time. Well, one of the interesting things about Pompeii, if you dig in a little bit of their history, they were some nasty people. They had frescoes. They had walls in the homes littered with pornography. Just paintings of all kinds of, I don't need to give you any details You get the point. Just littered with pornography. So this has been a problem for a long time. People liking to be loose. This is nothing new. See, even when you read scripture and you think of Israel constantly rebelling against God. So right now I'm studying in the book of Judges. And you know, when you read in the Bible, you hear of Israel in the the Old Testament. We hear just constantly walking away from God, constantly going after other gods. It was just, they would not stop. And it's like, well, wait a second. God did all this for me, for you. He frees you out of bondage, helped you survive in the wilderness conquered enemies for you to possess the promised land and you still keep rebelling against God, you have seen fantastic miracles on a level most people will not see until death when we are actually in the presence of God. And yet you still keep rebelling. Why do they keep going after other gods? Well, the reason why Israel kept going after other gods because they liked the licentiousness that following pagan gods give them, just like people today. And I talked about that a couple episodes ago, is people are loving paganism because it gives you the license to do anything. <laughs> There's nothing you can't do. You could do anything. And people in our total depraved state love to rebel and indulge in sin. And so that was why Israel kept rebelling. It wasn't so much that they felt these gods had so much power. It was the permission they got to sin. And so to get back to the point of what I was saying about the church in Ephesus, you have to remember these epistles, Paul was writing to churches, dealing with specific problems that these churches were dealing with, writing to them about specific problems these churches were dealing with. But we can still learn a lot this day with doing a little bit of homework about these churches. So the church in Ephesus was a gateway between Asia and Rome, and it was a very wealthy city. So if you think about it, America, is the wealthiest nation in human history. So it's a we were, just had lavish theater, just a really, really lavish city, and the city thrived on. It had an industry that they thrived on, and one was the temple of Artemis, which was the fertility goddess, and so people made money on the idols. And also people felt like sacrificing to these idols was very beneficial and it would help the town prosper. That's one of the reasons why, um, like in the first century, Christians were being killed. Uh, It wasn't so much from the Roman perspective. They didn't care that Christians followed Jesus. They just want to make sure they followed um, all their gods as well. Because, from the pagan perspective, that prosperity was about appeasing the gods. So, if you kept the gods happy, then things would go your way. So, if it didn't rain, it's because the gods are angry. So, if you're not having kids, it's because the gods are angry. Everything was like the will of the gods. Like, even Paul, when he was debating some Greeks, he, um, I believe, I can't, I don't want to say the wrong thing, but I, I forgot where it was. It's in Acts where Paul talks about, um, where they talk about Paul debating some Greek thinkers and scholars, and they had in there a statue to an unknown God. And it was like, we have to cover all our bases. We have to make sure we're covering everybody. All right, we got covering all our bases. So they didn't have a problem with them following Jesus. The Romans had a problem because if you're truly Christian, you follow no one but Yahweh. So, that was the problem. They were like, oh, no. You guys aren't following so-and-so and and -and so-and-so. They're gonna make us barren, not give us water, and we're gonna starve and die. Can't do that. So, they wanted them to 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 bow to the system because they feel like it was getting in the way. And just to put a little context for Christian nowadays, that's lots of time why the world hates us so much because as more people get devoted to Christ, that affects the way we vote, that affects the way things we advocate for in society, and they feel like we're getting in the way of their party. Also, another thing to keep in mind: in Ephesus, with the rise of Christianity, it threatened the financial interests of those who profited from paganism. So that's another thing. A lot of this, like Planned Parenthood, the more people who reject abortion, they lose money. These porn producers, they lose money. Um, all these people peddling smut and filthy television entertainment, they lose money. So we are getting in the way of their profit. Also, with the temple, with the temple, they were living in the shadow of real debauchery and that's one of the reasons why Paul talked to tell them like you guys have to be ready the church of Ephesus had to be really prepared to do spiritual warfare on a whole another level because they were dealing with demonic entities that were pulling them into just hedonism it was a bunch of wealth sex so a lot of pagan practices included a lot of pagan worship included sex And Drugs and alcohol. Uh, I remember one of my class my New Testament class. I took my teacher. I forgot which it might have been to Artemis I I think it might have been for Artemis sacrificing or part of the ritual for Artemis, but it was one of the Greco-Roman pantheon uh, small G gods. I always like to say small G gods because there's only one God, but um nevertheless um, they they would get drunk as possible. Like that was part of the ceremony was to get drunk as you possibly can. So again, and we've seen videos in other cultures where people are taking like all types of psychedelics and things of that nature. So typically in most pagan or occult practices, um, sexual immorality, I mean, just, we don't need to get into the details you get, just it's anything goes types of situation. Um, getting drunk as possible and doing drugs was part of pagan worship. That was part of the part of it. Now, whether or not and if we have to remember the Greek pantheon or where we talking about the Yoruba or Ifa pantheon or whatever pantheon you're talking about with the Egyptian pantheon or the the pantheon in Scandinavian countries, it it, it doesn't matter. All of these are demons. All all of these are demons that people are giving um, opening or credence to. And the thing about it that we need to remember is that as Christians or people today, if we are engaging into these activities, we're still opening doors for demons. So what we're dealing with today, and it's one thing, you know, you like I said, nothing is new under the sun. People have always been up to no good, doing scandalous things. But there's a difference when people are just on an individual level doing a little dirt, doing bad things. But when you have the culture itself pushing and promoting it that's a whole different level and that is what was going on in Ephesus and that's what we are doing today and so since the people were living in the shadow of a religion that encouraged sexual immorality as part of worship that would have been a huge challenge to the church in Ephesus because again humans already have a sexual nature to begin with so like you know most people aren't tempted to murder that that's not something that people are tempted to do. However, sexual immorality, that's the whole of the ball game. That's something people are more likely to be tempted to do because it's something that we already have a natural desire to engage in to begin with. So, that is why we can really look to the church of Ephesus to draw on because it's like we're dealing with the same thing here. And that's why the culture hates us so much. And with that being said, considering they were engaging in this type of behavior, that means that that means that they were also having these demonic spirits that were influencing their behavior, and the people that they were dealing with, they were influencing the people they were dealing with were also being pushed and, and encouraged by these demons. So when you interact with these people who just hate you, and are so angry with you, you have to remember that they are interacting with demons, whether they know it or not. It doesn't require knowledge for a person to interact with the demon. It, 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 doesn't, re- it doesn't require that. It, it doesn't require that. It just simply requires for you to engage in certain behaviors for that to happen. And that that's something that, that Christians need to understand. So that's why the world hates us so much is because the demons that these people are interacting with are being irritated. And as we go out and try to advocate for a Christ-centered culture, we're agitating those demons. And the more that we push for the cause of Christ, the loose the, the, the grip of the demons get looser on the people and they get angry and they agitate the people. Now, I know for some people listening, this sounds really crazy. Like demons? What are you talking about? Demons agitating people? Oh my goodness. What is this? Well, you have to remember that we're spirit beings first. The spiritual world is far more real than the physical. Now, it doesn't seem that way because you can't see it with the naked eye. But we have to remember that the spiritual world preceded the physical. So therefore, the spiritual world must be more real. And when I say more real, that means what it really is. That's what I mean by that. So the spiritual world has to be more real because the physical world proceeded from the spiritual. Now, we all know that God created the world ex nihilo, mean out of nothing. So God is the originator of all things, not evil though. God isn't the originator of evil, because anything opposite of God is necessarily evil. So he isn't the originator of evil. He just created free creatures who choose to rebel who are the originators of evil, not God. Just have to clear that up. So when I say that the spirit preceded the physical is that the spiritual world came first. God came first. His reality is the ultimate. He is the source of all reality. He's the ultimate source of reality. God isn't a physical being. He's not. He's he's God. He's I am. He's on a whole other level. So that means that the reality that he is is the, the most real thing there is. And so with that being said, God made the physical world. He made the physical world. And and also he made us in his image. He breathed like when God made Adam, he breathed into man. So so God, when he made even the angels. Now I do not get into angelology or demonology. I don't know anything about it. I just don't. I'm not gonna lie. I shouldn't say anything. I understand as much as how demons manipulate and influence people, but I don't understand like the 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 the. Should I say the, like the, uh, anthropology of demons? I don't, I don't know anything about that. And that's just not something that I particularly study, but, but what I will say is that they are spirit beings. They are, they are spirit beings. So, so therefore we, we can't see them with the naked eye, but they can manipulate the physical world. So it has to be more powerful than it. You know, like this, I don't know, this hand motion I have over here, it's nothing. Something live has to manipulate. Something has to move it. And and that's the thing. That's the point I'm getting at. I hope I'm making sense of what I'm saying. And so spiritual world is the most real thing. And when we uh, deal with people, we are agitating the spirits that are manipulating or messing with or or, uh, dealing with those people. So anytime you're trying to influence the culture, you have to be prepared for some pushback. And what you're seeing are many Christians trying to coddle or make amends with the world. And it makes absolutely no sense. It's like they didn't read anything in the Bible. And in fact, you have Christians who are actually trying to omit and renew the faith as though us filthy humans can somehow improve upon with almighty, powerful, majesty, just wonderful, glorious God has created, that somehow us humans can improve upon that. That is crazy. It is arrogant. And it is what's got Satan kicked out of heaven. Pride. I can do better than God. It makes absolutely no sense. And as you see more and more Christians trying to appease the world, the more agitated the world seems with us. So it simply isn't working. And so with that, we're going to take a small break. I'm actually going to cut the break a little early. That's okay. Just a quick one. So we'll be back. I'm Christina Caramo and it's solid food. Welcome back to it's solid food so as we were talking about a lot of christians are trying to are really perplexed as to why the world doesn't like us and they want to make the world like us And it simply is simply like it's not working they hate us you know <laughs> they're never gonna like us and sadly what i'm noticing a lot of christians are doing are simply trying to are simply trying to bend to the will of the culture to get them to like us and that is not the answer i'm seeing many churches um you know t- talking about we want to be seeker friendly and that's why a lot of churches prefer to just sit and talk about all the victory you'll get in jesus and the type of victory that this carnal world is thinking about is in an earthly sense they're not thinking about victory as eternal victory us uh, um salvation and living and being close to God, that's not what the world's thinking about. They're thinking about victory as far as I'm gonna have these things that I want. And so that's the unfortunate part. And so churches feel as though if they say nice things, um, then people will like them. And you know, not picking on your favorite pastor, folks, but just keeping it real. I remember once I heard Joel Osteen say You know, I feel like people get beat up enough in the week. So, you know, when they come to church, you know, we don't want to beat them up anymore. (sighs) Listen, it's like this. The job of people in the ministry is to tell the truth. Now, some Sundays it's going to be a rah-rah. Sometimes God may put it on your heart this week. I just want you to encourage people because there's scriptures littered with encouragement, littered, littered, littered with encouragement. Right. But also, one of the most important things people need is for their souls to be saved. Not one of that is the most important component. So you can't spend so much time trying to encourage people that you encourage them right into hell. And the reason why I say encouraging people right in hell, because a lot of people don't want to live holy. And as, and as I tell people on a regular basis, being a Christian is not a life of perfection. It is a life of repentance. And I will say that over and over again. I will say that a lot because the problem isn't so much that as a Christian, once you give your life to Jesus, suddenly I'm not going to desire to sin anymore. The desire is love for me. I never want to sin again. Oh, if something sinful enters my presence, oh, my stomach turns and I just feel aggrieved. That is not true. That is not true at all. As a Christian, you still get tempted. You still see stuff like, man, oh, you know, why do you think Paul wrote the church? They have Ephesus They encourage them. Like, listen, he knows that they're dealing with a lot of temptation. And he's like, you have to just stay deep, knee deep in scripture because you are wrestling with spirits. It's what you're wrestling against. This temptation that you're dealing with. These people is spiritually inspired. This is nothing you can do on your own. And you have Christians that want to give other Christians a hard time. And their favorite line is don't judge. When I hear don't judge, I feel like taking my ink pen and lip gloss and throwing it all up in the air because I am just be I'm overdone. I am so frustrated when I hear When I hear don't judge, I am just too through. I feel like sliding out of my chair and just throwing a toddler style temper tantrum because it's the most foolish comment because it's totally taken out of context, okay? Um, When the scripture is talking about don't judge, it is talking about in the context of don't judge other people and not look at yourself. You know, don't have like this unforgiving attitude towards other people in the context of having compassion on your fellow brother. Don't condemn another person and, and in a sense of arrogance and not looking at your own self. Nowhere in the scripture does it say we shouldn't call out sin. That's not what happened. In scripture, Paul was calling people Jesus before I even get to Paul in the epistles, but Jesus called people out all the time. So when the scripture is talking about don't judge, lest you be judged, it's more saying deal with your brothers kindly and with compassion. That's what the scripture is talking about. Um, That doesn't mean that we should not call out sin. Jesus called out sin all the time. You think of the story of the woman that um, was going to be stoned to death after he told after he said who was ever without sin cast the first stone. He said to the woman, now go and sin no more. People love the quote, the first part. He was that sin cat the first time. Ah, I love, that's my favorite, like, irritating person's voice. You know, I have to, I, I, you know, I actually have an Elmo impersonation, just so you guys know. So I do like to get in character. I'm kidding. <laughs> but my point is, is that that's the context. We are supposed to call people to repentance. If you think of John the Baptist, that's what he did. He called people to repentance. That's what he was doing. Telling people, come repent. The kingdom of God of God is upon you. When Jesus told us in Matthew 28, when he gave the Great Commission, that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to call people to repentance. When you think of like even in Galatians 6:1, Paul writes, brothers, if 6 1, brothers, if anyone has caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep it, keep watch on yourself lest you be tempted. So when I when it says don't judge, it means that when I call a brother to repentance, when I'm calling a brother to repent or a sister to repent, it should be done in the spirit of love and humility, not arrogance and haughtiness, as though I am so holy because I am not. With the worldly Christians, which I don't even know if they're Christians, and I and I don't like to make those type of proclamations, but some people, I seriously question whether they're Christian or not. To be quite frank, because for you to be upset that I am ta- telling people what the scripture clearly says, to come and repent for your sins so you don't go to hell how are you upset with that and you are christian you know that makes me think of like i believe a pretty positive it's in, in romans 6 where paul talks about in romans 6 i gotta grab i keep my bible handy folks romans 6 it says what shall we say are we to continue in sin that grace may abound By no means. How can we who die to sin still live in it? So it's very clear that Paul is telling people, like, listen, you know, even though Jesus forgives you and grace abounds for your sin, that is not a license for you to continue sinning. And so for people to be irritated that we're speaking up against sin, we're simply trying to help people and we're trying to make sure people are in fellowship with Jesus Christ so they don't go to hell For you to be offended by that, I have to ask myself, are you a Christian? (laughs) I have to really ask that question because it makes absolutely no sense whatsoever for you to be offended about me caring for the spiritual well-being of other people. You should not be upset about me telling the truth. But again, what's happening is that the spirits that are behind the person, like we said before, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. So it's the spirits behind the person that is causing them to be angry. And so as we enter this portion in human history, this is going to be more important for ev- than ever. Because one of the things that's so important is that Jesus calls us to be sought in the light of the world. Now, what you need to remember is that, see, in in the time in the first century AD, is that salt was used as a preservative because there was no refrigeration. Now you're like, I know that, Christina. Why are you telling me things I already know? Just hear me out. Hear me out. Okay? So salt was used as a preservative. Now here's the thing. the It was not a permanent preservative. The meat was spoiled eventually. I don't care how much salt you rubbed on it, but it delayed the process. Now, human beings are rotten, but our job is to bring the gospel to people the way before they die, before they expire, they can be preserved. Does that make sense? Because we're all going to die, whether you like it or not. It's going to happen to you. It's going to happen to you. It will. But the thing about it is, is that the goal is for us to preserve the situation Preserve the person so they can spend time. It's not spend time, but spend eternity with God. We can We are supposed to be out preserving things. And if we don't, we lose our saltiness and the world just falls apart. And too so many Christians, I feel like, also you have the flip side of the don't judge crowd is the world will be the world. Well, th- that's not good. See, the thing about it is we're not going to change the world. That's not going to happen. Only Jesus changes the world. Our job is to be a light in the world, to be like, you know, like if, if you're on a ship and, you know, they had lighthouse and that way a, a ship wouldn't crash in the dark, wouldn't crash into land. So our job is to be simply a light in the dark so people won't crash and go to hell. That's our job. Only Jesus can and can save and save the world because he's king of the world. There's nothing I can do as a human being. All I can do is hopefully make enough positive change in my society to way I can spread the gospel better and make people's life easier. Now, I have talked about politics a little bit. Actually, I'm quite passionate about politics. If you didn't know that already, I am. So politics is extremely important because if I, like right now living in America, we take it for granted that we can openly proclaim the name of Jesus Christ because in a lot of countries, they can't do that. Just so you know, but, but at the same time, we can't permanently change the culture because we're always going to meet resistance until the return of our Lord and Savior. However, we still have to fight in the public square in the culture Because our goal isn't that we're going to change the world, because only Jesus can do that. Our goal is to bring as many people to Jesus as possible. That is the goal. That's the goal. So with that being said, I think there's another thing that will help us understand what we are facing. And 2 Timothy 3 2 Timothy 3, it talks about the godlessness of the last days. Now, we've had Christians for a long time saying we're in the last days. And when you think about, in, from God's perspective, temporary, God is, is he's outside of time, right? He, he's, he's not a temporal being, right? He exists outside of time. But still, God understands our time because he made it, and God. So, what... What's how do we say what's the what's the a thousand years to us is like a day to God. So when we think of the last day, people say, oh, you Christians have been saying we're in the last days forever. Whatever. Blah, 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 blah. You guys are always saying that. Well, I would argue that in America for many times, flaws and all flaws and all as a culture, there were some things that we didn't like. Now, here's the thing. People have always been terrible. That is nothing new. But there's a difference between individuals engaging in terrible behavior on their own than individuals engaging like corporal bad behavior. Meaning we as a society have taken upon us ourselves to just behave poorly. Those are two different things. And I and I think that's what makes us feel like that we are in the last days because we're seeing a movement to behave poorly. Okay? That's so that's what's going on that's what's making uh it's a lot of things happening on like i said on a corporate level uh that are making people feel like we are in the last days so if you look at second timothy 3 one of the things it says or not one thing it starts by saying but understand this that in the last days there will come times of difficulty well people for people will be lovers of self now again We've always had these problems. So don't say to me, well, people have always been doing this. I get it. I've said that. What I am saying is that it's encouraged to be lovers of self. And one of the things, too, that's so tempting in our society is you got to love yourself. You got to love yourself. You have to love yourself. People are being told constantly, love yourself. You got to love yourself. No, you got to love God. You ain't got to love it. That's human problem. problem. That's why we sing because we love ourselves so much. We got, we got to love God and the way that we see ourselves is actually elevated because we realize that we are image bearers. We're made in God's image. So the way we see ourselves is actually elevated than rather this humanist concept of loving self. So that is a massive problem with people loving themselves. Also loving money. Again, this is nothing new. But as a society as a whole, you have people where it's just all about money. Everything is about money. It's just about money and money is all that matters. And one of the dangerous things too, is that is one of the ways people are fast-tracked on their way to hell. Now, in one of my classes, I had took a class called, why does God allow evil? And my teacher was telling us about, um, him and his wife were at the beach. And this woman who was the richest person in England, I think he, they saw her, yacht, okay, cruising off the California coast. And he said, well, I bet she's on her way to hell. You know, (laughs) we were laughing, but he he was serious. The the way he said it was funny. Of course, people going to hell isn't funny, but the way he said it was humorous. But his point was, is that what happens is, is that sometimes people get so much wealth that they feel like they're untouchable. And in America, we are a very wealthy nation. So we make every we as a whole tend to make things all about money. And so the more money I have, the more comfort I have, the more able I am to get the things that I want, so the concerns of God mean nothing to me because it's all about money. Also, with people are very proud, very arrogant, um abusive. And that's what's going on too in our world. We're very arrogant and lovers of self. Think about abortion. You know, abortion is just so selfish. It's like I don't care about this kid. I don't care about killing another person. I just care about me and it makes me happy. And killing this little baby, this parasite, makes my life better. As I said before, we're no different than the pagans. We're just sacrificing our kids to the God of self. Disobedient to parents. That is a big problem. Have you noticed in our society these out-of-control kids from time to time you hear these stories of kids killing their parents? You see these things where these these people are like kids slapping the parents and the parent goes on these stupid talk shows like, I don't know what to do. My kid's hitting me like that would never happen. We've encouraged out of control children. We've encouraged the kids to be out of control. We've encouraged the kids to they can say whatever they want because we don't want to spank them. So what we do as a society, when the kids are out of control, we put them on uh, behavior modifying medication. Doesn't make any sense, but that's what's going on um also people are ungrateful you know how many people complain about the most stupidest things they don't have more material unholy that's obvious Uh, that's very obvious i mean our society as a whole just encouraged debauchery i've talked about that this episode i talked about that last episode so there's no reason for me to belabor that they're heartless people that's how abortion happens people don't care they don't care about that child it's like it's better for me they don't care about other people where people only care about those whose lives or existence benefits them. You know? People are um, heartless, unappeased, slanderous, without self-control. And that's the thing. Like in our society, I know people may laugh about our media. But our media will tell any kind of lie on anybody just to sell a paper. They engage in wide wholesale slander on a regular basis. Because it simply is profitable. Without self-control. That's why we just indulge. Think about the rampant obesity in our society. The alcohol and drug abuse is just indulge. And then when you point out how obesity is a bad thing and it's really unhealthy for people to be as large as they are, folks will get mad and say you're fat shammy. Like, well, this isn't good for people. Brutal. Not loving good. Again, that's our culture. Treacherous. Reckless. Swollen with conceit. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And that to me is the America's number one problem is that we're total pleasure lovers. We're just a society of hedonists. If it feels good, do it. That's what's going on. Having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. avoids such people. Now ha- this is that that's the thing too, is that people are trying to get holiness off of a false theology. Especially the social justice warriors. It's a false theology. They want to appear holy and good while promoting wickedness and bad things. And you have a lot of people who are professing Christians who deny the power of God instead of trying to cozy up to the world to make themselves look good. This stuff we're seeing on a mass scale simultaneously. And typically, you'll see one or two things people dealing with, you know, you'll see this problem or that problem. But rarely do you see everything going on at the same time on a mass scale globally. You and and so to me, I'm going to leave it there at that point. But I, I think that is to me that is really, really concerning. It is really, it is really, really concerning because, you know, just just as a society it's we have to really as Christians stand up and not be afraid of not being liked because we are doing it to help the person. When you are dealing with a person and you're trying to spread the good news to them and the, they're rejecting you, you have to remember that it is Satan trying to keep his grips on that person. And when you operate from that perspective, then it helps you more. Also, as Christians, we need to make sure that we are not um that we are not trying to accommodate the world. And that's another thing. We don't have, we we don't need to worry about being seeker friendly. We need to worry about being truthful because, see, I believe that part of the problem, I believe that part of the problem when we talk about the mass amount of young people leaving the church is that the power of the Holy Spirit is not there in a lot of churches. Now, I am not speaking in the office of anything. I'm just speaking as Christina. I'm just saying my personal opinion, because if you're not boldly proclaiming the gospel, What are you doing? You're playing church. Okay, so these kids aren't getting everything they need to be prepared to deal with the wolves of the world. And that's really, really, really important to understand. And so we as Christians, we as Christians have to stand up and be bold. And I feel we actually will attract more people to the church by boldness, by being bold. Not trying to appease a world who does not like this. As Jesus told us, remember, they hated me before they hated you. I mean, and that's something that we, re- we really need to understand. And I think that we need to spend more time in scripture because we can learn so much. Like I discussed the church at Ephesus, we can learn so much from what they had to deal with because it really kind of mirrors what we deal with in America. And with that being said, that's why the world doesn't like us and why they want to push us out because it's the demonic entities and it's only going to get worse. And I bring, I brought up before um, in an episode talking about um, how the, the paganism and what's happening is, is that with more paganism, that means it's going to increase demonic activity. So with an increase in demonic activity, because just think about it, I mean, it's just kind of common sense. If you have a million people And 10 people are witches versus 1,000 are witches, of course, is going to increase demonic activity. So with the increase in demonic activity, you're going to experience more attack and pressure. Now, to close, I'm going to tell a quick story. Grab your hot cocoa, kids. So (laughs) So, um, last year I was at a conference in New York called CIA. It was a great Christian apologetics conference, cross-examined instructors Academy. It's really great. Um, cross-examined ministry. So me and one of the girls in the program decide, well, we're going to go and look around New York City in Manhattan, right? So it was a really great time. So we like, we're going to catch the subway meeting another one of Another friend of mine who is a fellow Christian apologist, a classmate from Biola. She lives in New York. So we were going to go meet her, just walk around the city and hang out, see what's going on. So nevertheless, um, me and the young lady who I was uh, riding the subway with, we got to, um, I forgot which station. We got off the subway. And as we were going up the subway, we heard like some beating of drums. And it, was like, it just sounded like really cool. I was like, oh, this is really cool. And so as we were... We're going up the stairs and hearing the beating of the drums, and I looked, and I'm thinking I'm going to see like some like some reggae people or something, like some Caribbean drum beats. Well, now I looked over and it was the Harry Krishna people. Now, if you're not familiar with the Harry Krishna people, the Harry Krishna people are it's like a Hindu set, okay? So as they're beating the drums and we're walking around, you know, it's kind of like oh, I began to feel a little weird, right? So Nevertheless, we're standing there and looking around and it's real peculiar characters in this park. I just cannot remember for the life of me. in the moment this came to me to tell the story, I can't remember exactly where was stationed with like a little park there. And so we began talking to this man and the Hare Krishna people, like they had some, I guess you call them evangelists. They were handing out literature to, to convert people. And so, of course, the guy approaches us and we're like, (laughs) we're going to put on our Christian apologist hats and (laughs) try to win a soul for Jesus. So we were talking to this guy and we were just kind of asking him questions. And he kept making such a big deal. He's like, it's the music. And we were just like asking him questions about what he believed and why he believed and why he was a follower. And he's just like, it's the music. It's all in the music. And it's like, it just wasn't making any sense. But increasingly, as we were talking to this man, I just started feeling terrible, and it's almost like something like latched on. It's, it sounds like like an alien. It, it, it sounds like something from an alien movie. It, it felt, of course, it, I didn't see any manifestations. Okay, so it felt like something like latched onto my stomach. It was like sucking my energy out. It was one of the worst. It was like just a drain, and it was crazy. And so I don't remember who mentioned it first, me or her, but one of us was like, do you feel really weird? And and the other person, I can't remember who mentioned it first, like, yeah, like we felt like we were under spiritual attack. It was like something was latching on and just draining me. And she felt it, too. And we were like, "Okay, well, we're not crazy and we hadn't been drinking. So that definitely wasn't the case. We're like, okay, this is demonic warfare we're experiencing because it was a spirit attacking us because these people were engaging in a satanic ritual. I don't care. Anything not of God is of Satan. That's just it. But these people were engaging in a satanic ritual and here come two Christians thinking they're going to put their big girl pants on and spread the gospel and so... We just came under severe satanic attack. And so me and her began to pray. We began to pray incessantly. And eventually, as during our prayer, the people like packed up and left. And so and the feeling went away. And so my my point is, is when you begin to, the more people who are involved in things like that, the more demons it will stir and the more spiritual warfare that you will encounter as a believer. And you have to be very prepared to deal with it. And so the last thing the church needs to do is start advocating and becoming weak, thinking the world gonna like us when in reality, all we're doing is empowering demons. That's all we're doing. It's all we're doing is empowering demons. And so, excuse me. So I really encourage you all to please, you know, stay firm. Don't worry about the world not liking us. We're not doing it to get people to like us. We're giving it to we're doing this to bring people to Jesus. And just stay firm. So thank you so so much for checking out. It's solid food. I greatly appreciate your time with me. Me, I feel so happy. Um, so you can check out my website, ww.christinaCaromo.com. I am on Facebook at the Christina Caramo Project, YouTube at the Christina Caramo Project on Instagram at Karamo the Great. That's Karamo the G-R and the number eight. And so you can check me out Tuesday next week at seven o'clock. That's where we launch our episodes. So remember to be brave, to be bold, because the gospel of Jesus Christ must be told. Toodles.